Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I can walk by Little Debbie's any day of the year, but at Christmas time when I see them, I'm like, oh, I have to have one. It's just a zebra cake shaped like a tree, but it is delicious. No, they're different. They taste different. <laughs> yeah. Nice 107.1. We're Taylor and Jen doing important Christmas science. Well, we're going to talk about Christmas treats. Taylor is like, hey, Jen, I found this map. Which, you know, if it's a map, it's it's science, it's science. and geography, so it's it's learning. This is from that, that bastion of scientific research, Zipia.com, that I found it on. And I yeah, don't even you know did. what that website is. <laughs> Which was linked from fatherly.com. From fatherly.com. So it's a really good partnership of scientific research. And they basically took every state and figured out, okay, who is searching more than any other state for these various Christmas treats. So what is the favorite Christmas treat from each individual yeah. state? There's a lot of like peppermint variations well, of things. Yeah, our friends to the north up in Minnesota, peppermint kiss cookies. Mm-hmm. I can get behind I that. I could eat those. Yep, I, could, I could get behind that. There are some confusing ones. Uh, Utah's favorite Christmas treat is the Jolly Rancher. What? And I, I don't... What? I mean, do you... Tawins not know that you can get those any time of the year? Uh, maybe not. Maybe they can't get them any time of year, and that's just what they do. But then, you know, you go up to Washington and it's Skittles. Skittles! So, what? some people need some education on what actual Christmas treats are. How is that even in the search parameters? Skittles as a Christmas treat? Do they put them on something? Do they maybe put them they, in they something? put them on the Christmas tree. Maybe it's when they decorate gingerbread houses. They use you Skittles, Skittles You put on the buttons the on the gingerbread man's suit. Here I am trying to justify why no. Washingtonians are Googling... Washingtonians? S- Washingtonians? Is that what they're called? Well, what would we call them? Washingtonites? Washingtonians. I like that better. Well, Washingtonites is you know- what I need to do on Saturday. <laughs> Science says... Every state has their own favorite Christmas treat that they, the way they find this is they figure out who's searching the most for stuff on Google. Right. And that, that's the mark of mm-hmm. what your favorite Christmas treat is. But Iowa's, I think, makes plenty of sense. Oh, Iowa's is unique to Iowa. No other state likes the same thing as Iowa. So this is your chance to guess what is Iowa's favorite Christmas treat. I think this is going to be overlooked because it's so common. Snickerdoodle cookies. You are the second guess in a row for Snickerdoodles. Am I the second wrong person? You're the second wrong person. It's okay, though. It's okay because (laughs) Snickerdoodles should be up there, and they're not. It's not anywhere. It's not anywhere. The closest we've got is South Dakota. Theirs is the sugar cookie. Oh, well, those are boring. Uh, A sugar cookie is a boring Snickerdoodle. That's what it's it is. It's a sugar doodle without the cinnamon. Yeah. A sugar cookie is someone saying, I'm too lazy to do anything with this cookie. Let's dump sugar on it. <laughs> they say baking is a science. Mm-hmm. But this morning, science is talking about baking. Because, who is it? Fatherly.com. Fatherly.com. There's a website called Zipia.com. Zipia.com. Not entirely sure where this map came from, but we're pretty sure it's reliable. They figured out what every state of our country's favorite Christmas treat was by the number of people who Googled things. So we want to know. What do you think? Is Iowa's favorite Christmas treat. Little Debbie snack cake shaped in the shape of a Christmas tree. (laughs) That's Taylor's favorite. You are speaking my language right about now. I know. We go through boxes and boxes of them. Oh, man. I need one of those in my life it's right so now. funny. I can walk by Little Debbie's any day of the year, but at Christmas time when I see them, I'm like, oh, 
I have to have one. It's the exact same food. It's just a zebra cake shaped like a tree, but it is delicious. No, they're different. They taste different. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you. It's the shape. It changes the flavor. I love yep, it. it does. <laughs> All right, Melissa, do you think you know what Iowa's favorite Christmas treat is? I do. I think it's got to be one of our dipped ball treats, like peanut butter balls or Oreo balls. Oh. <gasps> You are right. Melissa, you're the first one that got it right. Am I really? Yes. Oreo balls are Iowa's favorite treat. Of course they are. Everybody loves them, right? Thank you. Melissa, you are a true Iowan. Well done. You are uh, impressive. I'm a teacher. One of my associates actually brought Oreo balls to work this week. Oh, Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, man. That's fantastic. Congratulations. You win our... Um, applause. I'm dying love and support and applause and admiration. You know what? For a teacher, that's all I need to make my day a little brighter. Bless your heart. There you go. Thank you for Thanks what you for do. Calling. Mom, why are you saving these? This is exactly what Piper said to me the other day. And all of a sudden, I flash back to me in my kitchen growing up, looking at my mom and kind of asking the same question. Mm. Now, I am not a saver. Okay, I'm a pitcher. I am a thrower awayer. Except, oh man, I just can't. I cannot bring myself to throw away any glass jar. Nothing. No glass jar. I don't care if honey came in it or jelly came in it or really? anything. I I will use it and then I will run it through my dishwasher. Uh-huh. Save the lid and save the jar. So I have a container that is filled with glass containers in my house because I can't get rid of glass jars. You have a container container. Yes. I am the embodiment of the container store. What do you do with them? Oh, that is a super question, Taylor. I just keep telling myself that eventually I'm going to come up with something super cute or super cool or super repurposing to use because they're all shapes and sizes. Have you used one of them? No. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, I thought I was going to do something really cool for some of my girlfriends at Christmas uh-huh. time with those little cute little glass jars. Didn't do it. You, you haven't used a single one and you just keep saving them. They're cute. Some of them are really small. Do you remember those cute little yogurts that we got a couple of shares yeah. ago? I saved all of those. I made you guys all give me yours well, when you were done eating. <laughs> n- now that you tell me some of them are small, I'm on board. <laughs> That's that's all it took. Jen, you're making it a little hard for me not to give you a hard time this morning. Why should today be any different, Taylor? Today's just especially difficult because here I find out that you don't throw away any jars. You save them, which is fine, except you don't do anything with them. Well, you never They're know. They're just all in a container. I, and, and it's so strange for me, too, because this is not normal behavior. I am a pitcher. I throw things away. But I cannot bring myself to throw away glass jars. I will run them through the dishwasher, and I will put them away. I save them, and I now have a container that is filled with glass containers. This is- Carol, and I'm coming to Tim's defense. Oh, thank oh. you, Carol. Do you save jars? Yes, I save spaghetti jars, peanut butter jars, all this stuff. What do you use them for later? Nothing yet, but I have a good idea for you, I think, with the small jars. Okay. Because I've wanted to do this and I haven't done it yet, but you know how they have shadow boxes? Yeah. 
I think you should do a shadow jar for your coworkers or your friends or whatever. I'm going to give one of a my shadow jar. used jars filled with stuff yeah. to Taylor for Christmas. There you go. I'll put a lock of my hair in it so oh. that he remembers me. This used to have honey in it. Now it has part of me. <laughs> I didn't quite mean that, but it never works. It's this little thought, and it just worms its way into your head. Well, you never know when you're going to need it. And then you end up saving things that you probably don't need to save. I do it with glass jars. I don't know why, because I rarely, if ever, have reused a glass jar, but I never ever throw them away. We want to know about those things that get saved and you have no idea why. Why do people say plastic wear? Plastic forks and spoons and wash them. (laughs) Why don't you just use your regular ones if you're going to save those things? People do that? Yes! They do? Maybe. Especially old people. Hey! (laughs) I think we're realizing Jen is one of the culprits here. I have done it before. I, I just don't get it. If you're going to use plastic forks and spoons and rewash them, just use your regular silverware. You want to know why? Because my kids will throw them in the sink, and rather than pick them up and throw them in the trash, I just pick everything up, throw it in the washer, (laughs) and then I wash it, then I throw it in the drawer. There is something that you save that's a little weird. I have a fast food junk drawer. You have a fast food junk drawer that you collect. Well, so you end up with, like, the little fork and spoon and knife and the little plastic package Mm -hmm. and you can't really throw that away and extra chopsticks and of course the extra packets of taco sauce Mm -hmm. and all of those goofy little things that you just don't know when you might need them i know never know when you need a a single serving of taco sauce and then you wonder when do they expire (laughs) they don't and there have been times where you realize hey i am out of this do I have it in that drawer? Yeah. <laughs> so when you're out of ketchup or plasticware, do you just go get some fast food? Is that where you shop for that stuff? They charge you for the extras now, though. I know oh, they do. They're on to your act. So now there's even more reason not to throw it away. Yeah. Premium. Exactly. She stood and told us the story, and she was so proud of her story. And inside, I was like, no. No, just no. Nope. I could never. I could never do that. You know, I think I know what you're talking about, and I think I remember feeling that <laughs> kind of radiating off of you. <laughs> Our lovely coworker and friend, Luann, yesterday mm-hmm. was telling us about her Christmas tree yeah. at home. She and her husband, Brad, have some wonderful grandkids. In this case, it happens to all be grandsons. She was so proud of the fact that she allowed her grandsons to... Decorate the Christmas tree. Which is always an adventure. Well, you know, they they vary in ages from young to young, so they can only (laughs) reach a certain height. And so this Christmas tree literally is not decorated from like the third up. It's it's a little bottom heavy. Uh, it's all bottom heavy, and and and, it's, and she was telling me, and she was laughing about it, and Taylor was laughing about it, and I'm going, "Are you going to fix it?" And she's like, "No." I said, how long has it been like this? And she's like, well, a week. And I'm like, and you're not going to fix it? And she's like, no, I love it. Every time I walk by it, I just think it's great. And she says, you know, they laugh about yeah. it. She and Brad, and it makes her think about the grandkids. And I'm like, <laughs> so <laughs> I couldn't do it. You know what it is? Her, her tree's personal. I know. It's got that personal significance. And it sounds like, Jen, you prefer the perfect trees. Well, 
I don't know if I could walk by a tree that was two-thirds of the way done. That's exactly what somebody who prefers perfect trees would say. Christmas is a beautiful personal time. I know Mm -hmm. it is. But when our friend Luann said that she let her grandsons decorate her Christmas tree and she's not fixing it (laughs) because it's perfect the way that it is, I was like... (gasps) Because she said, like, the top third isn't done. Yeah, because her, her grandkids aren't tall enough <laughs> to reach up there. And I just, I think it's wonderful. I just don't know if I could do it because I kind of have a perfect Christmas tree at home. And it seems like people fall into one and two camps. Is your Christmas tree perfect or is it personal? Have a perfectly personal tree. Okay. Tell me about it. It's two feet tall and it's loaded with cheap ornaments and... Between the two dogs and the five cats, we'll lose all the ornaments by the end of Christmas. That's why you get the cheap ones. And it's easy to put back up. Is this your one Christmas tree? Yeah, and we hide that in a room. <laughs> this year we tried putting it in a room behind a closed door. What? What's the good in that? Well, I was thinking about maybe doing a live feed onto the TV. <laughs> we could, you know, look at it. <laughs> Why not? Everything else in 2020 is virtual. Why not a virtual Christmas tree? Put your tree on Zoom. (laughs) I think sometimes as children, we forget that our moms are people. And not superhumans? And not just my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, they are people with real feelings, real thoughts, real tastes. Talking about the perfect versus personal tree, when I was growing up, the three of us got to decorate the Christmas tree with mom and dad. And it was as gaudy of a Christmas tree as you could possibly have. The big multicolored lights that flashed. Oh, yeah. All of the Christmas decorations that had our faces on them or Mm -hmm. our handprints on them or our footprints on them. All of the big painted wooden ones. I mean, if it was bright and flashy, it was on our Christmas tree and the top of our Christmas tree was the brightest gold lame star that you have ever (laughs) seen. And the three of us loved it. One year I came home from, I was in grad school, my sister was in college. So we came home for Christmas and we walked into our living room and we saw this thing. It was a beautiful eight foot tall Christmas tree covered in pinks and golds and dried flowers. And it was something that looked like it should have been in a magazine. Were there any colored lights? No. They didn't flash? White twinkly lights on it and on the top was a perfectly appointed ribbon it truly was something out of a magazine i said what's this (laughs) and my mother said that is the christmas tree i've always wanted (laughs) my little brother was off to the side shaking his head going no (laughs) just no (laughs) In my house growing up, we thought we had the perfect Christmas tree. It was as gaudy as it could possibly be. And then one year, when we were all grown up, we came home and my mother had this pink and gold tree Mm. covered in flowers, dried flowers and ribbon. And I was like, what's this? And she said, this is my perfect Christmas tree. (laughs) Because it turns out, sometimes whether it's perfect or personal isn't really your choice. I get so jealous. I see all my friends. They have these beautiful trees that are like perfect. 
and mine is full of paper plate ornaments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have one of those. I'm sorry. When each kid moves out, I always give them everything that they made, so I'm working towards my perfect tree. <laughs> How many more you got left? Two. Two. <laughs> Two out of five. <laughs> I was sitting and looking at it just last night, and I was like, oh, I can't wait until I can just have my beautiful purple and silver tree with the ribbons. And <laughs> she already has it oh, pictured man. in her you, head. You've got it planned. Dr. Heidi, we love to talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas around here, and we love to talk about the fun yes. side of them. But we're not so naive not to know that for many people, the holidays are very hard. In fact, Taylor and I, for each of us, the holidays are hard. We know the holidays are hard for you, too, yes. because of certain amounts of grief. Yes. You can mask it. You can pretend it doesn't happen. You can laugh. You can drink a lot of eggnog, but I'm sure none of those things are healthy. What is the right way to deal with grief over the holidays? Mm -hmm. There's lots of right ways. The place to start is just to give yourself permission to know that it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be hard. It's been 10 years. It's been five years. It shouldn't be hard. But, but sorrow doesn't expire. Mm -hmm. Grief and death is always hard, especially when you've loved someone really, really well. I, when somebody says that it shouldn't be hard, I always want to ask the question, who says that? Who says it shouldn't be hard? I mean, who gets to write the rule book right. on grief? There's an expectation that we should get over it or we should move on or we should be doing better. And I think that that cultural message, wherever it has come from, has kept us from grieving well and honoring the people we love well. Sometimes families are uncomfortable talking about hard feelings. So maybe someone you've lost, you want to talk about, but they don't want to. That can be a really difficult situation. And I think you have to think through what can I do to help myself remember this person? Even if no one else knows about it, what am I doing to honor them? And I want to just expand this a little bit based on my own personal experience. Last holiday season was my first holiday season post-divorce. Yes. I went into it thinking, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. You were um, not fine. Thank you, my friend. Both <laughs> of you, okay. my, both of you, my okay. friends right here in this room know I wasn't fine. Mid-January, I realized I don't think I had taken a deep breath in two months. Yeah. yeah. That's also a form of grief. And I don't know if I expect this holiday season to be much better. (laughs) Divorce is death. It's the breakup of a family. It is hard. And that's why it feels hard. Because it is. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the hard that I found, I remember, I think it was the second Christmas after my cousin died. Yeah. When I was feeling really down and I was talking to Lindsay and I was like, I'm feeling really down, but I'm not thinking about Josh. Like, I'm not saying I'm sad because Josh isn't here. Yes. And Lindsay, who lost her brother and her cousin a few years ago, looked at me and she said, you're still feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you're not thinking about it, that is contributing to the weight. And that's been so helpful for, yes. for me because I can label it then. Like, I know this is coming. I might not even think that that's what it's about, but that's what I need to address yeah. in me. Our bodies remember even when our mind maybe doesn't want to or our mind hasn't made that connection yet, our bodies feel the grief often before we realize what's going on. And when you've lost someone that time of year, the weather during that time of year, there, there's things that can trigger it that might take your breath away, that might surprise you and come from out of the blue. But it's because your body remembers. And we have to recognize that and put words to that and give our body space to feel bad because it's a way of remembering and honor the people we love. So, okay, We give ourselves permission to grieve, but we still have a holiday season to go through. So what else do we do? Take it one step at a time. 
Think about what are you going to do to remember? Maybe it's a candle off to the side that maybe just you know about. Maybe it's a special ornament that you put this one place on the tree where you can see it. Maybe you talk with someone who's not in your immediate family who can hold space for you and have that prayer covering. Okay, I'm going to this event. It's going to be hard. Will you pray for me? Mm, That's a good idea. It's going to feel hard and recognizing that just because it feels hard doesn't mean that it also can't feel joyful. Mm-hmm. That it also can't be beautiful. We have the capacity as human beings to hold more than one emotion together and that's okay. Just because you're sad doesn't mean you can't also be in the moment with your kids or your grandkids and celebrating what's happening even as part of you is still grieving the loss of the person who's not there. I have this thing that I do now when I can feel it coming, you know, I go and I crawl up on my bed and I sit crisscross applesauce and I go, okay, God, I'm about to not be okay. Yeah. Mm. And I just need to know that you're here with me because I'm not going to be okay for, I don't know how long it takes. Sometimes it's an evening. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's until, you know, somebody texts me, but I just let God know, okay, I'm about to not be okay. Yep. And I just need to know that you're with me yep. and I don't feel so alone. Yeah. And that's our hope is that in this holiday season, as we're celebrating Jesus come down, that it's his presence with us that gives us the strength to get through the sorrow that this world holds. God created some creatures purely for comic relief. I oh, yeah. just believe that. I mean, there are some animals that when I see a picture of them or hear a story about them, I instantly smile because they make me happy. Penguins are one of those. I adore penguins. Who doesn't? They're just funny and they're cute. And they're fun and they seem like they're constantly making little hijinks and things like that. So when Taylor told me he had a story about penguins, I was like, oh, do tell. Yes, because this picture of penguins, they are all crowded in this aquarium. It's at the Sea Life London Aquarium, all crowded around one thing. So they're British penguins. They're British penguins. Each one has a monocle. They're crowded around... A movie screen. Why are they? What? There's a movie in the aquarium? Because, you know, in England, like much of the world, the zoos aren't getting as much traffic because of 2020. True. And didn't you know, penguins can get bored. (laughs) And so (laughs) penguins get bored. (laughs) So they're, you know, they've got a fancy term for it. They're calling it a penguin enrichment program. But they have started showing penguins Christmas movies at this aquarium to keep them entertained. I think my heart just grew like 10 sizes bigger. They they love them. There are pictures of these penguins just like standing around watching. Uh, according to the aquarium, their current favorite is Elf. Yeah! And there's this great picture of like three or four of them just watching where Will Ferrell's crying on top of the tiny toilet. If we didn't need this in 2020, I don't know what we needed. There's a delightful story about the London Zoo playing movies for the penguins because they're bored. (laughs) They're used to seeing more people. And they they need something. And so they have come to love the movie Elf, which is perfect for this time of year. You know, we think that's so cute and everything. But how many of us let our animals watch TV or, or go so far as when we leave the house we leave TV or music on for our pets. My cat loves SpongeBob. <laughs> really? As soon as I turn that on, they can be anywhere in the house and they will come and sit on the couch and watch it with my son. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. And so I leave it on at night when we're sleeping and they sit in the living room and watch SpongeBob. <laughs> 
So we've been discussing these penguins in London at the zoo that are bored because there's not as many people visiting them. And so the zookeepers are doing something fantastic for them. They're letting them watch Christmas movies and the penguins love them. Many of us have tried the whole leaving music on for the pets, leaving movies on for the pets. I think more of us than are willing to admit it do that. I sit in my car for a few minutes before I go into work. And I listen to Taylor and Jen, and I sit with my windows open, and apparently the two deer like the music that I have on, and they came up to listen to it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And I didn't scare them away Uh, with my voice? (laughs) No, you didn't. And the music was playing, and it was beautiful. It was like the Lord wanted to listen to the music, too, (laughs) along with the two deer. (laughs) It was amazingly beautiful. When was it? Just now. Oh, my goodness! (laughs) I tell you, the way we feel about our pets, it's yeah. it's actually kind of surprising that we haven't heard more from you about <laughs> how you leave either TV or movies or music on for your pets. I mean, they're doing it in a London zoo for the penguins. So do you leave something on for the pets when you're gone? My 11-year-old daughter leaves you guys on for her bird when she goes to school. Her bird? For the bird. And he laughs with you. The bird- oh, yes. The bird laughs with us. The bird laughs with us. Yes. While we're getting ready for school in the morning, we'll hear him all of a sudden start this loud high walking and she'll walk in and you guys are laughing on the radio. Does that bird sound like me when he laughs? Um, he's loud and high pitched, so I don't know. <laughs> there is something to be said for simplicity. Mm-hmm. I have to say when I get into... Modern vehicles, which makes me sound 127 <laughs> years old. But These newfangled cars. Seriously, the newer and newer and newer that cars get, it seems like the more and more buttons they yeah. get. And I have to tell you, the first time that you get into a new vehicle, it can be somewhat intimidating because it's all different. So I'm with Kelly. I, I kind of wish they would just go back to like the simple no buttons, just turn it on and push it and go. Maybe yeah. I just need a horse. That's what you need. <laughs> Definitely a horse. I got to tell you, when I when I got the vehicle that I have now, it's not very old and it's nice. It's a Subaru. I've been driving it for over a year through one whole winter, as a matter of fact. And one day, as I am driving, all of a sudden, my, my seat's getting really warm. Hmm. I'm like, do I have a fever? My back is hot. I'm sweating. <laughs> what is going on? And I look down and there's a light on, on the console down next to mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, what is that light? I never saw that light. What is that light? What does it mean? What's happening? What's wrong? And then I realize, oh, I have seat warmers in this vehicle and I didn't even know. You've been driving it for a year. <laughs> so many buttons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so complicated. It, it, it's not a surprise that sometimes you didn't know that it did that. I had like a Malibu, Chevy Malibu, and for the longest time, it would not turn the air conditioning on. Hmm. No air conditioning. For summer, I was like, basically like, okay, what is wrong with my car? It wouldn't turn on. I went so far as to even calling like the dealership. Oh, and come to find out that the button that was a little snowflake was the air conditioner. <laughs> what did you think it was? I figured it was like a defrost or something. And I pressed it. I'm like, okay. And the guy was like, well, did you turn it on? And I didn't realize there was a button to so turn it on. <laughs> 
I didn't know that it did that. You have those moments in your life, and we want to hear about them. I will confess, I am a horn honker. <laughs> a horn honker. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. And I could not find the horn on my car. Oh, that's a problem. It is. <laughs> so I'm driving down a highway, and my horn honks. Oh. And I'm going... Okay, what did I do? You know, so I'm pounding all over the steering wheel. I'm looking for buttons. Nothing. I cannot find it. Cannot honk my horn again. <laughs> Later on, I'm home. I've parked the car. I'm looking. And I squeezed my steering wheel and my horn honk. You have to squeeze it? My horn was a little rim around the inside of my steering wheel. Well, that's weird. Why would you do that? That's not a good placement. Not if you don't tell somebody. (laughs) This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.